of At The Movies with Gulfside Church. And if it's your first time here at Gulfside, you might be asking, what in the world is going on with all of this Hollywood stuff and movie clips? And we are in the, the ending of a series where what we're doing is we're teaching biblical truth from Scripture and we're using Hollywood films to help illustrate that. Because even as that clip was going, I heard laughs and comments because you saw some of your favorite films coming through there. And, and all of these stories are, are stories that help us understand life, they help us laugh, they help us live, and we want to use those stories to help illustrate the truth of God's Word. And as we look at Jesus' style of teaching, this is one of the main reasons we do it. We see that throughout the teachings that we have recorded from Him, there's about 50 times where He was using metaphors and He was using parables and stories to, to illustrate the truth of God's Word, because that's really God's heart, right? He doesn't want you to just memorize facts, but He wants you to take His truths and apply them to how you live your life. And you're probably like me, that you do better at remembering stories and experiences than long lists of rules and information. And so we're going to utilize the story, and hopefully as you see this movie in the, the weeks and years going forth, it'll call you back to today and to your time here at Golfside. And we wanted to pick a movie for today that was for the dads, because it's Father's Day, and we want to honor those guys who wear the you know, black athletic sandals with the navy blue dress socks and the khaki you know, colored shorts. Dads, you don't have to match today like you would care about it any other day, but this is your day. And so we want to honor you guys today because God has a specific design for who he needs you to be in the, in the role of the family. And we want to encourage you today, but I believe today is going to encourage everyone. Today, our movie is uh, The Black Panther, and it's a recent Marvel movie. Marvel has done a great job of taking these superheroes and they tie these incredible storylines that transfer these themes that transfer into our experiences. And today we're, we're going to see some things. We're gonna, the first clip is going to kind of introduce you into the nation. And I just want to give you some background because we're just using really short clips today. But, but the background of the Black Panther is he's in this nation called Wakanda, which is a, a, this make-believe nation in Africa that has unlimited, crazy technological resources. And what they've done is they've discovered a special kind of metal that's helped them advance past everyone else. But they, they made a realization that if other people found out what we have, or if we let other people come inside of our nation, we might lose what we have. And so we begin to see this struggle of do we just take care of ourselves and, and make sure we keep what we have, or do we open up our borders to help a hurting world that's all around us? Let's look at this first clip. The warrior became king and the first black panther, the protector of Wakanda. Four tribes agreed to live under the king's rule, but the Jabari tribe isolated themselves in the mountains. The Wakandans used vibranium to develop technology more advanced than any other nation. But as Wakanda thrived, the world around it descended further into chaos. To keep vibranium safe, the Wakandans vowed to hide in plain sight keeping the truth of their power from the outside world. And we still hide, Baba? Yes. Why? We vowed to hide in plain sight. We have to protect the thing that we have. We have to not let their chaos get inside of our borders. And I wish as I heard this that I didn't think directly about the American church. 
So many of us have just hidden in plain sight. I think, I think back to my own story uh, of you know, growing up in a dysfunctional, broken household where, where dad left when I was nine and didn't come back and Father's Days weren't happy days. And, and you know, we had some tough years, but eventually I became a Christian and then went back and was going through my old neighborhood and realized there was a church within a block of my house that I thought was just a building where angry people hid and yelled at me. I didn't even realize it was a church. And so often throughout America, the churches, they're, they're around, they're in every city, but it feels like they're hidden. And they have this incredible resource. They have this treasure that's hidden within them that can change families, change hearts, change eternities. But it feels like there's a wall that has been put up to keep the world and all of its problems out. And, and, and it's heartbreaking. And it's not what we want to be as a church. It's not what we want to be as people, but there is a struggle, and I felt it too, that you know, if I let this hurting and broken and messed up family and their kids into my house, that man, it could mess up my kids, it could mess up my family, it could mess up my day, it could make, mess up my brand new couch. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to bring their mess into my house. And, and, and the struggle that this talks about through this movie, it's very relatable, and I believe it's very relatable to Scripture, but our attitudes in our minds, they can't work like that. As individual believers and as a church, it's from Philippians, we have to see the world around us in a different way. Today, the passage that we're going to be studying together is from Philippians chapter 2. So if you, have your, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Philippians chapter 2. If not, we'll be projecting the words on the screen, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 11 in this first section. Starting at verse 4, it says, Don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now in this passage it starts off, there is a foundation, there is a presupposition that, that says don't look out only for your own interests. And I want to stop there for just a second because especially as we consider Father's Day and we consider families on this day, that this presupposition, this foundation of don't look out only for your own interests, this goes further when this scripture was written than it does for us today. Just even in the last 50 years, we've seen a major problem begin in, in single parent households and typically it's the father who is missing and, and it's just this presupposition that within scripture it's not a question of calling it's just an expectation that that as a man that you would be looking after your own interests you'd be looking after your wife looking after your children looking after your relatives scripture is very clear that someone who doesn't take care of their own family is worse off than an unbeliever and, and, and I just want to say that, not, not to put something heavy on you, but I want to make sure that we understand the context of this passage appropriately, that the starting point for this passage is already with someone that understands it's basic, it's elementary, that I should be taking care of my family, that I should be investing in them. 
Because when this was written, that, that, that was just, that was core, it was understood. But today, th- things are changing. Th- things have, have eclipsed where it's just, it's normal to have a child and not be there and not, not be involved in their life. To not be taking care of your basic responsibilities. It, just even in our finances, it, with our, you know, credit card world, it's become so easy to let your spending and what you're making be completely unknown to you. And I say this having, you know, right now my family's going through the Financial Peace University with Dame, Dave Ramsey. It's a small group that our church is currently offering, and, and it's really tightened up our fan, finances, and it's helped us, and it seems something so basic, but right now, because I've gone through this course, I can tell you at any point in the month exactly how little money we have in our bank account. Before all the bills are paid, I know, Be, but it's a basic responsibility. We, we have to we have steward our finances. We, we have to protect our marriage. We have to invest into the children that God has given us. We, we have to encourage the people around us at work. These are some basic responsibilities. And, and, and I say this because it's not callings. I'm going to say it this way and put it on the screen. Taking responsibility for our household, it isn't a calling, it's an expectation for the Christ follower, for someone who says, God is first in my heart. And understand, this isn't you know, a tool that we hit other people with. This is a mirror that we evaluate ourselves with. We, it's, not, it's not something that we ask God, should I do this? Should I invest in my kids? Should I manage my resources? This isn't starting expectation. And you know, just even on the topic of fatherhood being, you know, Father's Day, it's really easy. Everybody's got a father, but not everybody's got a dad. And, and we are called men when we have children to be dads, to be engaged, to be hands-on, not to be absent fathers. We, we have responsibilities that are scriptural callings. And, and in this verse, it starts off saying to, to not just look out for your own interests, the things that you're responsible, but take an interest in others as well. When we look at, at the things that we are investing ourselves into, you know, God is honored when we take care of our own household. But I'll tell you what, he's heartbroken when we disregard the world. God is honored when we take care of our household, but we can't just stop there. That, that's the starting point. That's the foundation. But I'll tell you, God is brokenhearted when we disregard the world. When we don't pay attention to the families that are hurting around us, when we don't invest in, in people who are hurting both in our city but far away. And, and I believe that when you begin to see an accurate picture of the person who's living near you or living in a country that's far away from you that, that you can help, that needs your help, I believe that it begins to change your heart. I believe it, it takes away your option to do nothing when you see it. And this next clip from the back panther we're, we're going to see our, our hero the black panther with his romantic interests and, and there's a divide that's grown between them because she's left the country and she's seen how badly the world is hurting and she refuses to just stay home and enjoy and she feels like she has to do something and, and he wants her to come back home and so we, we're going to hop in this conversation with them come home Nakia. i'm right here stay I came to support you and to honor your father, but I can't stay. It's just, I found my calling out there. I've seen too many in need just to turn a blind eye. I can't be happy here knowing that there's people out there who have nothing. What would you have Wakanda do about it? 
share what we have. We could provide aid and access to technology and refuge to those who need it. Other countries do it, we could do it better. Well, nothing like these other countries, Nakia. If the world found out what we truly are, what we possess, we could lose our way of life. Wakanda is strong enough to help others and protect ourselves at the same time. If you are not so stubborn, you would make a great queen. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. Ah, see, if, if that's what I wanted. All right, come on. How many of you guys know that every good hero needs a strong, stubborn woman behind him, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, in this clip, I, I love the, the heartbeat of it, of saying, you know, I've been there and I've seen, and I've seen too much to just turn a blind eye to what's going on. And, and I, I enjoy that clip because I relate so much to it, because growing up in, in the culture and communities that I grew up in, and I can't really pinpoint the finger as far as who really instilled this into me. I feel like it's from so many different sources, media, education, the people we were around. But I remember as a teenager, I had this sense that, internally, I was a little upset. Why are we worrying about poor people in other countries when we have poor people in the United States to take care of? And I didn't understand yet. And, and I want to tell you, first of all, that is not a scriptural mindset. It, the, you know, the, the commands of scripture to show compassion, to, to be concerned for the poor, to reach every single nation, they predate the Declaration of Independence and the existence of America. You are a Christian before you're an American. God, God has the same heartbeat for you and your family as he does for every African person and child across the world, every Asian person and child across the world. He has the same heartbeat for them. And, and the, the poor American is not of, of more worth than the poor African. And, and, and so for me, I had that mindset, but as I grew closer to God and read some things in Scripture and then had some experiences that I had to look eye to eye with when I went to, to Trujillo, Peru, and we went to a garbage dump, and there were children living in the garbage dump, and daily they would go and sort through the garbage, and, and they're wearing mit, mismatched shoes and clothes with holes that they found there, and they're finding pieces of rot, rotting fruit, and they're picking up and eating it in front of me. And I have to be honest with myself that I've never seen suffering like this in America. And I went to West Africa in Mali, and we go out to tribes where there is no access to education. There is very small amounts of clean water. And I look these people in the eye, and it's not just the fact that they don't have things that we have. It's that when I stand next to them, and I drink tea with them, and I look them eye to eye, I see that they're no different than me. And I see that God loves them with the same intensity that he loves me. And I see that God has entrusted me with resources and abilities where I can make a difference there, even if small. And it broadened my worldview to where I had to say, we have to do what we can because there's people who have so far less. We, we have to show them the same love that we would our own countrymen. We have to be concerned about their interests and not just our own. And this has to be true for the church as well as for the individual. I'm going to tell you, for those of you guys who stick around for the ride of Gulfside Church, 
It's in our heart. I've talked about it before. I'm going to keep it in front of you. Within the next five years, we're going to identify a city, a part of a city that would be described as a slum and a country where they don't have good access to education, where they don't have good access to the things that we normally have, where the sex trade is a problem, and we're going to adopt one specific area. And some of us, we're going to go there together, and we're going to be- begin to push sex trafficking out of that neighborhood. We're going to begin to provide vocational training for adults so that they don't have to sell their children into things like that. We're going to start a church, and we're going to start a school, and we're going to start providing medical care in that neighborhood. And we as a church are going to invest into this other area that is beyond ourselves, that gives us nothing back, and we're going to see God change lives there. Because we're not just going to be interested in what happens within our own four walls. And we're going to see that begin to take shape in the next five years. This is part of the plan of Gulfside Church. We're not going to be a church that's just focused on ourselves. Because scripture commands time and time again that we have to adopt this attitude that is so different than the attitude that we just develop on our own. And I believe that's part of the development of our relationship with God. I want to say it this way and put it on the screen. When a heart is in love with God, it always cares for people. You know, the scripture says, put an interest in other people. But, but the truth, the way that plays out is that when our heart falls in love with God, it always cares for people. You cannot be deeply in love with God and be callous to the pain of the people living around you. You cannot be deeply in love with God and be callous to the pain of people living across the world. It, it, it's something that happens and it grows and, and is this attitude that begins to change. And our actions and our attitudes, they they are intimately connected. And I I don't know if you've ever seen someone, uh, you know, I've seen this in a couple different places. I've seen it in the mirror before. But, you know, when someone's attitude is so crazy and you're like, how can you act that way? How can you be that way? And then you meet their parents and you're like, oh, I, I get it now. I, I mean, sometimes it seems like it's hereditary. Like, like medical forms at the doctor's office, like, do your parents constantly, chronically treat other people like jerks. Like it's a checkbox to just warn the person at the desk. Like it's something that gets passed down. Because there's a truth in that, and I'm not saying that it's genetic, but the people you hang around, you adopt their attitude. It's an attitude that spreads, and and it's comparable to a toolbox. And I've used this illustration before, that if you have a toolbox that only has a knife and a hammer, when you reach into that toolbox, you're only going to be able to smash and cut things. If in your conversation skills and your relationship skills, all you have is a knife and a hammer, all you're going to be able to do is smash and cut people. If your family had issues, unless you go out and learn new skills, learn scriptural attitudes and behaviors and apply them to your life, you're going to carry in the past destruction that you saw in your family of origin. And we have to be able to learn these new, which tell, and that's what this passage is calling us to. It's calling us to put on the attitude of Christ Jesus, which tells us that we have the ability to change. That the excuse of this is just how I am, and this is how I will always be, is just an excuse. Scripture teaches us that we have the ability to change these things. In our next clip, we're going to see the, the, the Black Panther has learned that his father killed his uncle and abandoned his uncle's son in another nation in order to protect Wakanda. And and he's having this crisis because he loves his dad. His dad was a great king, but he feels like he's going to be doomed for failure if his dad was doomed for failure, if his dad did this thing as well. And we're going to hop into this conversation. He killed his own brother and left a child behind nothing. 
What kind of king? What kind of man does that? No man is perfect. Not even your father. I didn't even give him a proper burial. My uncle Njoba betrayed us, but my father... He may have created something even worse. Hey. Look at me. You can't let your father's mistakes define who you are. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Brother, you need to get here now. I love the line, you get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. You get to decide what kind of person you are going to be. No matter what your history, no matter what the last few months, years, or your upbringing has looked like, you have the ability to choose what type of person you're going to be. And scripture is clear from all of the teachings that say, you know, to, to, to take a step, to, to change a behavior, to pray, to trust God, to, to believe in faith, that we are able to change that we aren't locked into a pattern of behavior and attitude, we have the ability to change, and we're called to take on the same attitude that, that Christ Jesus had. And, and what does, how is it described in the passage? It says, though he is God, he took on the form of a man to become a servant. He was willing to put aside his rights and his privileges without complaint and without acknowledgement. When we look at the attitude of Christ Jesus, we see someone who had every right to claim every privilege that there is. And yet he set them aside in humility. And, and when we look at ourselves and we, we take on the, this own attitude, you know, husbands, fathers, I'm going to pick on you a little bit because it's Father's Day. And, and when we come home, we have the right and we have the privilege and we've earned it that we should just be able to sit and relax for a little while. Gets, we have the right and we have the privilege. We earned that money and we should be able to decide where it gets spent. We have the right and we have the privilege to take the best of the food. We have the right and the privilege to sit in the chair that we want to sit because we bought those chairs. We have the right and the privilege to hold on to the remote. It is ours, right? That is our right and our privilege. And, and, and there's so many things that we can cling to. But our right and privilege, we, we are the head of the household. And so me, I sit at the head of the table when we have dinner, and that is my seat. And my kids know it. But the reason that, that is my seat is because that seat is closest to the kitchen. And, and as, no, listen to me, listen to me. Not to grab the food, but because as a Christ follower, I'm called to be a servant. As the head of the household, I'm supposed to lay my life down the way that Christ laid his life down for the church that I'm supposed to be the one who grabs the dishes. And it's not that I'm only the, ever, only the one doing it because I want to train my kids up and I want to teach them to do dishes and my wife shares the load because she is a servant as well and we serve each other and it, it works when you have two people who are following Christ and seeking to serve each other. No one feels trampled on. But as the father, I want to be the one who sets the climate for the household. I mean, you know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, right? A thermometer you can take and it'll tell you what the temperature in the room is. And it'll tell you this is what's going on. Dads, we don't need to be a thermometer. We need to be a thermostat. We, we need to be what sets the temperature in the room. We are called as leaders of the household to set the standard for servanthood. 
to set the, the, the standard for encouragement. It comes and it starts from us. And some of us are so controlling that with the thermostats around our house, you know, the dad is the only one who's allowed to touch it. It's 75 degrees, not 74. Don't change it. I mean, to the point where we have an app on our phone, so if we're away from the house, we check to make sure the house is the right temperature, then nobody set it down, and if they did, we're going to fix it on our phone because we're so concerned about the, the temperature of the house and controlling it. How much more so should we be concerned about the spiritual climate of our house? And I understand that this is, this is countercultural. It's strange to begin to step in, to begin those conversations as a family of what it means to follow Christ to talk about what God has been teaching you, to speak words of encouragement. It can feel awkward. But men, we have to be the thermostat for the house, not the thermometer. Set the standard. We're called to change our attitudes. We're called to align our attitude with our goals. We have a goal of what we want our family to be. We have to change our attitude to lead our family there. And it's not just men, but men, that is our calling. Women, the same standard is to you, to serve each other in love, to to set the standard, to encourage. You you know, I pointed at her and I said, you know, it's good to have a strong, stubborn woman behind you. I've got one. She's awesome. She kicks me in the butt when I'm not moving like I should. And I want that, and I need that, and we have to encourage and push each other onward towards this prize that we're running for. But it means changing attitudes. It means adjusting things. And that's something that each one of us has to be willing to chase after. In the next chapter, chapter of Philippians, I love the, the picture that, that he, he begins to paint of pressing onward, forgetting the past and looking forward to what is ahead. I mean, can you hear what an encouraging word that is? Forgetting what is past and looking forward to what is ahead. Uh, I'm about to do our last video clip here, but I just want to just, just grab onto, I understand that there's probably mistakes in this morning, in this week, in this last month, in, in every day of my life. I understand that there are mistakes. But the way that God wants you to see your life is taking the, the pain and the difficulty and the, the shortcomings of yesterday and the years before and putting them behind you and seeing something that is ahead of you that you look forward to. That this is the goal I have for my family. This is the, the place that we're pressing towards. And I know that it's going to be great. And I'm going to get there by changing my attitudes. Changing my behaviors to what scripture calls me to be. As I do that, I know I'm going to see God's blessing show up in my life. In, in, in this last clip, uh, the, the hero ha- has almost died and he has this interaction with his father, uh, who is passed on and the other kings. And he's dealing with putting the past behind and, and what he wants to do. And we're going to hop into this clip now. The time has come for you to come home and be reunited with me. didn't you bring the boy home? Why, Baba? He... He was the truth I chose to omit. You 
were wrong to abandon him. I chose my people. I chose Wakanda. Our future depended you on... You were wrong! All of you were wrong! To turn your backs on the rest of the world! We let the fear of our discovery stop us from doing what is right. No more. I cannot stay here with you. I cannot rest while he sits on the throne. He is a monster of our own making. I must take the mantle back. I must. I must right these wrongs. Uh, you have a blanket. Killmonger has the full support of our military. The Black Panther lives. And when he fights for the fate of Wakanda, I will be right there beside him. As we lie. I'm in too. What? You're gonna need all the help you can get. <sighs> are you done? Are, are, you, are, you, are you done? Could you give me and Lord Mbako a moment? Thank you. I owed you a great debt. A life for a life. Consider it paid. Please allow my mother to stay here. No harm will come to her. I give you my word. You know I could use an army as well. I bet you could. <laughs> but no. I will give no Jabari lives towards your cause. It is our cause. It is for all of us. Oh, us. Us, you are the first king to come here in centuries, and now you speak of us. I cannot speak for past kings. But an enemy sits on the throne right now. We both know the power of Vibranium. If Kilmanga gains control of it, who do you think he will come for next? We will not help you. I love the line, I cannot speak for past kings. That, that, that moment of saying the future, other people's mistakes, my mistakes, the, the, that's not where I'm going anymore. Something has to change. I think I've got someone back here to help me out. What's up, dude? <laughs> Can you do it? We didn't practice this because you can't practice with a group of people like this, huh? This is my guy. This is Anthony. He's two years old. And I have just about every excuse you could have not invest in my kids. I didn't have a dad who was around all the time. 
We didn't have all the things that we thought we should have as children. Even though my mom worked like crazy and she was both dad. So I could make excuses to be an absent father. But then I would miss moments like this. No matter what my past has looked like, every morning I have the opportunity to get this guy out of bed and have a moment with him. Right now in your life, there's people that are in arm's reach. And there's real pain and there's real mistakes. But right now there's the opportunity have an incredible moment together. Maybe not playing with trains, but something. And my last point that I want to leave you with today is you cannot take back the past, but you can capture this moment. The day that you have ahead of you right now, you can honor God in your family. The day that you have ahead of you right now, you can honor God in your workplace. I understand some of you guys are struggling through just the question of, do I call my dad today? Even in that, I think you have an opportunity. The passage that I read to you goes through 11, but I want to read to you verse 12 in closing. It says, dear friends and band, you guys can make your way back up on stage. It says, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Dial into this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to please him. God has a dream for your life. And he, I believe, in moments like this, where we step out and we seek to hear from him, he puts a desire in our heart to change. A desire in our heart for something better than what we've experienced. But he doesn't just leave it as a desire. He gives us the power to change. You have to capture the moment. You have to step into it. You have to say yes to him where you stand. Forgetting what is past and pressing onward towards what is ahead. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you have dreams for our life. That you change our desires and you empower us to live in a different way. And for each one of us who are celebrating our fathers, help us to speak encouraging words. And for those of us who have a pain there because our father has passed on or because our father has been absent for whatever reason, just give us the wisdom to take the right step today. Whether it's talking to you about our father or talking with father, help us to seize these moments. And for the people that you've surrounded us with, that we love, that we're responsible for, help us to just set the temperature Help us to set the spiritual climate. Help us to be servant leaders. And as we do that, we know that we're going to experience your best for our life. In Jesus' name.